Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Welcome back, gorgeous souls. I'm so excited for today's podcast episode. We have the amazing Ingrid V. Wells joining us today. Ingrid is a San Francisco-based visual artist, and I had the pleasure of visiting Ingrid's studio in the Bay Area earlier this fall. Ingrid, it is so nice to see you. I feel like I was literally just in your studio five minutes ago. Right. I mean, me too. I'm so thrilled to be on the podcast, Victoria. It's nice to see you again. It's just a blink of an eye. Just a blink of an eye. I'm so happy you're here. I can't wait to dive in and share your journey and talk about all the things with you and, and you know, just share some nuggets of wisdom with our audience. So I'd love to jump in and ask you what inspired you to be an artist. I feel like there might be a story here. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me and, and asking this question. It was a winding journey for me. Originally, I went to school. I was never set to be a, visit, a visual artist. I went to school for business and did music and theater growing up, but uh, had never done any drawing or painting and did actually a group guided meditation in business school back in, I don't know if that was in 2006 or something like that. So if you can imagine all of these business students laying on the floor of the classroom doing a guided meditation, like what is going on right now? And in that meditation, it took me through your career, envision your future life. And it took me through, like, I would go to my studio on a second story building in a black car and all kinds of different things that have now kind of come to fruition today. It was kind of the first impetus and and clue internal um, searching that, oh, indeed, I might be an artist, which was very surprising coming out of the meditation at the time. So that was the first step. (laughs) It was very strange, I thought at the time, yeah. That's so fascinating. Can you tell us like, what was it when you were in the guided meditation? Was it just an intuitive knowing that this was the path you wanted to take or like, what was that experience like? Right. So when I go through guided meditation or a lot of other meditations, I have just a visual experience. It's not, you're not thinking, or I'm not thinking through, this is what happens. And then this happens. It's just, I'm Mm -hmm. in the experience. And so I remember being in a second floor studio with a white desk and playing with color. And I was very curious, what does that mean? Like I had no idea. I mean, I was slated to do economics and finance. I was like reading my business newspapers every day and on the track to live that life. And so this was really out of left field for me. Yeah, I think I mentioned I didn't know how to draw or paint. And then I had to go tell my parents, I think this is what I'm doing. And (laughs) I uh, became very, uh, I took another step forward towards that direction after kind of being stopped in my track tracks on campus, watching other students draw trees and do watercolor paintings of trees. And I just thought, 
oh, there's something here. There's a chord that I need to follow. <laughs> like some thread is happening. So I just stepped forward into the unknown and here we are. <laughs> I love that so much. It's also crazy because when I look at your paintings, I would think that you had been drawing and painting your entire life. Like I would just assume that, but it's cool to hear this. And I love sharing artist stories that are a little bit nonlinear. And because I think it's important to remember that every artist journey is unique and not all of us have been pursuing art our entire lives. Some of us come across it later. And I think the most beautiful thing about your story is that you had the vision and you trusted it and you decided to pursue it and move in that direction, which I think takes a lot of courage. Right. I I feel like definitely this creative side came knocking at my door several times. Like, okay, when are you going to answer this call? (laughs) Hello, over here, Yodelahihu. Like, are you going to be listening? That kind of relationship with this call to the arts. So uh, in a a serious career way. uh, Yeah. So, okay, you got the call. And then how did you... Well, you decided to respond to the call. And then how did you jump into making your work? Like you started learning how to draw and paint and take us through that journey to like where you started to the work you're creating now. I started off making, um, being drawn to portraiture, which I understand now is kind of, um, I was really interested in investigating like the other creative beings that I was surrounded with at the time and just aware of everyone was, I just became aware of everyone's brilliant skills and, and how rare it was that we were all around each other. And so that was something that I was so fascinated with and um, wanted to document and and figure out a little bit further. Um, From there, I moved into kind of more wild celebrity portraiture and did Honey Boo Boo uh, flying on a <laughs> like a unicorn pocket pig in a tutu for my MFA thesis, uh, and so then that was uh, a, a couple of paintings called um, Honey Boo Boo's American Star Quest, and um, from there I have wound up. So I guess in, in some way somebody else just recently pointed this out to me. Oh, Ingrid, you've been painting stars your whole life. Now there, I'm working on literal actual stars, a lot of stars in my work um, coming up. It's the most hopeful shape working with looking into how we can study joy and enlarge that and get inside of that and surround ourselves with that. As artists, you know, we are maybe perhaps many of us are born and raised in critical, highly critical environments and go through, this is why we're so good in these courses entitled criticism and (laughs) the focus is there. But I think it's also important to build uh, yourself a a place of praise and a a place of praise for your community as well. And so in thinking about my work now, I'm really wanting to focus on like a visual anecdote for all of the um, hard feelings that we go through in life, particularly uh, grief and um, just all of these challenging emotions that come out of the pandemic and and um, living a full life. So thinking about these paintings as emotional support paintings and creating a sense of uplift uh, despite really challenging situations. So Amazing. I mean, 
When I stepped into your studio, the sense of joy that you're describing was so palpable. Like I literally felt I could, f- the, the vibrancy of the colors and the energy, I felt so uplifted. I felt so joyful. I wanted to take all the paintings with me. <laughs> and I just, I took so many photographs of your color palette and like details of the paintings. They're so gorgeous and they really they are so joyful. And I remember when we were in your studio and we were talking about it, like I could just feel your connection to the work um, so strongly. And they also, it's interesting when you mentioned portraiture, because I almost felt like your paintings now are portraits in a way. I don't know if you feel that, but they do sort of still have that quality. It's like you're taking, correct me if I'm wrong, but were they sprinkles? Uh, confetti. And confetti, okay. Yeah, confetti. I do have some sprinkle paintings too. I mean, why not? You have like a giant paint <laughs> sprinkle painting. It's not necessarily about the objects themselves, but their energy, that feeling of celebration and yes, um, yes. sort of enlarging it, making it just larger than life on this um grand size canvas. And, uh, I really love, uh, having the experience of being surrounded in many paintings that are of this, Mm -hmm. uh, tone and, and vibrancy. So yeah, it's super fun. So fun. So celebratory. And also they're just gorgeously painted. I mean, I remember getting super close to them and just looking at your brushstrokes and you handle the paint with such care. Like they're just gorgeous. I wanted to live in your studio. I didn't want to leave. (laughs) I was so happy to be there because being in a situation where like you're surrounded by all of them at once was, I could feel it. I could feel the energy. And can you tell us about your recent solo exhibition where you got to take these paintings out into the world and how did that go and how was the experience? Oh, well, thank you so much for asking. Yes, it's up right now. Um, It's a series of a collection of 34 new works uh, that are up at Olive Hyde Gallery. The exhibition is open through December 16th. Um, We just recently had the reception and I was so thrilled that we had so many people there in the, uh, despite all of the pouring rain, I couldn't believe that anyone even <laughs> came during so much rain, which I know is like maybe not that big of a, a weather constraint. And I'm, I'm speaking to somebody on the East Coast right now. Um, but for us Californians, it's like, nope, I'm not going anywhere. It's raining. There's droplets. Like I'm not setting foot outside. So, um, it was just really very delightful and thrilling to be with an artist community. And um, I'm just so grateful that they reached out to uh, have the solo exhibition of this work. And so, yeah, it's lovely. It's, it's amazing. And I was also wondering like how, so you moved to San Francisco, but when you moved to San Francisco, how was it finding an artist community? How, how has it been finding opportunities for your art? Like how has that process been for you? I have to say that whatever community already exists, it's lovely to note, but it's just really a starting place. Mm -hmm. And for any artist, if you're looking for a community, don't be afraid to create the uh, environment of belonging that you, that you wish to be a part of. And that is something that I've always had. I know that uh, at ASU um, and for my undergrad, we created a, a lovely 
community of artists there and would go run to different art exhibitions and things like that. We had 80 students in a club that didn't exist the year prior. And then we just all got together so that when you initiate something, a place for belonging or a new community, um, usually there are others who want to join in the fun. Okay. And so, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, um, just really fun to do that in San Francisco. I was going to graduate school at San Francisco art Institute, which had its own lovely, delightful weirdness and, and really exuberant, uh, student body. Uh, I got hooked up with a studio across the hall from where the graduate studios were after I graduated and then have continued to now run that artist studio group, San Francisco Artist Studios, and um, continue to build community there. We uh, did all kinds of fun things during the pandemic, somehow stayed intact uh, as an artist collective, studio collective during the pandemic. And that was so delightful to be able to also have um, virtual artist grant-funded international uh, artist community talks with our partners, uh, Sample Studios in Cork, Ireland, our sister city. So just you never know when you put it out there and say, hey, I'm looking to have fun and make art and talk about art and who's into that? Okay, great. Like (laughs) instant friends. You don't have to like... You don't have to overthink it. (laughs) It's so true. And also I think that like, I mean, we've talked about community so much on the podcast, especially this season and the power of community and how it's like really essential for artists to be part of a community um, in person, online, ideally both, because the nature of making our work is very solitary. So it's like so important to connect with other creatives. Would you say the opportunities that you've had in terms of exhibiting your work and just getting your work out in the world have sort of come organically from your community? Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, well, this is an interesting question. I definitely have um, not necessarily community driven. When I create a community, I'm not, or or am involved in a community, I'm not expecting demands Mm -hmm. from them that they're going to, uh, I don't want to put that pressure there. Uh, in yeah. terms of somehow advancing my career. It's a different goal. It's more of um, bonding and energetic uplift for for what I look for in, uh, in my artist communities that I'm a part of. But in terms of specifically advancing my own painting practice, I'll tell you one weird thing that I did recently um, for the... I, I went to a critique uh, with a, a curator who was looking at my work and he said, you know, Ingrid, I think you should show more of your work with nonprofit spaces. And, uh, I thought, well, okay, I'll just put it on my website, upcoming solo exhibition, nonprofit space, TBD. And, uh, if you know anyone like, let me know. Okay. This is, I thought, nobody's going to go to my website and look at this page and do any of this. Within a week, two nonprofit spaces contacted me for solo exhibitions. I don't know if they saw the website or if it was just like, you know, put, I don't know what, I don't really know how they, they just said that they found me online, but not, I don't know if they saw that particular post. Anyways, I'm just saying, 
put it out there. Try it, you know, on your upcoming page, put your desires out there. Maybe a community member might say, oh, you know, Victoria is looking for something along these lines. I know somebody and I'll connect them something like that. But, you know, you have to make your desires known and whether it be to your community or your website or, you know, general. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I mean, I know that our listeners can't see the the visual, but my jaw sort of dropped when you said that because I'm like, that's that is instant manifestation. You know, that's like setting your intention or putting your desire out there, and then it happens. And uh, that's incredible. And I think like being part of an artist community, it's so important, as you said, just to be surrounded by other artists and to be in community with other artists. But I think that something that can organically happen is like when you're around other artists, you hear about opportunities, you share experiences. So I feel like some opportunities can just sort of organically and naturally be born out of being in a community with with fellow artists. I wanted to ask you before when we were chatting about your move to San Francisco, what, and I think you told me when I saw you, but I'm trying to remember, what initially inspired you to move to San Francisco and like how has the community in the Bay Area been for you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, in high school and college and undergrad, I played music and did a couple of tours, music tours with various bands that I was playing with. And San Francisco was one of the stops up and up and down the West coast. And I mean, people were weird here. (laughs) I mean, comparison compared to, uh, Phoenix environment that I was surrounded at the time. And, um, and, in just this really vibrant, colorful way. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I have to be here. I mean, before I was an artist, before I, uh, or knew that I was an artist and before that I, before I thought about graduate school or doing a career in the arts, I knew that San Francisco was where I needed to be. And it's very strange now too. I live on the street and I look at these particular rocks every day and realize that I grew up with this Ansel Adams and whatever you think about Ansel Adams, but uh, this image of these rocks and now here I'm living here. It's, it's very strange. (laughs) It's so cool. And I feel like one thing I just appreciate about you so much is you really do follow your intuition. Like you really do trust these I don't know, in instincts or these like, I think sometimes it's hard to communicate exactly why we're drawn to something or why we feel called to a certain place or city or called to create the kind of work we're making. It is just like that intuitive, like a hunch or a knowing. But I just appreciate so much that you really follow that because it's led led you to where you are now. And you have this beautiful studio in San Francisco and you're showing your work and you have this solo exhibition and it's just very exciting. And I think it really speaks to the power of trusting ourselves. I totally agree. I think that everyone needs to think about what is the dreamy life that you want to live? For me, this is long walks on the beach. Okay. Every day, that's something that I want to include in my life. Thank you very much. Like that's, and then make your grandmaster strategic plan to get yourself there. And it may sound like a weird I mean, if I were to go back in time and tell my younger self, Ingrid, this is what your life turned out to be like now. Like, I don't know if I would have believed that, but it's, <laughs> you just have to think about your most fun, delicious, um, delectable, delightful environment and the 
things that you physically want to be around every day and the, the energy that you want to put out there and, and receive back and the, and the people that, you know, you know, they're different topics that you want to be discussing and be surrounded with and, and then go for that, go directly yeah. there. No stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like we're so aligned and we definitely had these moments when we met because I just released a podcast episode yesterday that I called the most important questions to ask yourself when manifesting. And I believe that those two questions are, uh, what kind of person do I want to be and what kind of life do I want to live? They sound very simple, but I feel like that those are the most important things. But I love the grandmaster plan, the grandmaster strategy. <laughs> Am I saying that right? <laughs> Can you tell us, give us a little bit more advice if you wouldn't mind? Because I feel, I think that is so important. It's like you have the dream, you have the, the call, you know where you want to be and you know what that looks like. And then I also am a firm believer that you've got to kind of create a more logistical plan. Like you have to create a solid concrete plan um, to get there. Can you t give us some advice on like what you would recommend or kind of the approach for that? Yeah. I think in some of this work now, I am not personally like this. I'm a goal setting total freak. I'm like, this is where I just love being, but I know sometimes <laughs> we have, um, peers that maybe do like shy away from making goals or directly going after what we're talking about here. And so I'm just, I want to speak to that too. If you have hesitancy surrounding goal setting, because you're afraid of failure, give yourself as much room as possible to get it wrong. Okay. And one project I did uh, was called the 100 Rejection Letters. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Have you ever done that one? No. Yeah. So you aim to do 100 rejection letters in a year. And this is based on, I think, writers who would have to send out their book for publishing and, and shoot for that many rejections before they would normally get published. And maybe this is prior to all the self-publishing that we have going on now, but it's an interesting project when you give yourself room to bumble around and kind of um, get it wrong on your way to getting it right or not be received in, in the way that you'd like as you give yourself room on your trajectory, you know, when uh, torpedoes go, they have, they have to make so many error corrections on their way to their destination. And um, it's a little bit like that with your strategic plan. So thinking about what are the delightful things that you want to encompass into your life and then figure out, you know, who, how did other people get there, go back and look at their CVs and figure out, okay, where am I? <laughs> How can I get like in a similar trajectory? And don't be so hard on yourself as you um, take your own path and, and carve your own way through the through the weeds. And let me tell you, if you're going anywhere interesting, there are plenty of weeds. I love that. I love that so much. Like giving yourself as much room as possible to figure it out. And I think that is something that like a lot of us don't do. I know that for me, I put so much pressure on myself for things. And there's this idea of like getting it right the first time. And if you don't get it right the first time, you failed. But actually it's like, I think that's such a good point. The places 
where you really want to go and where you want to end up, it is going to be a journey. And I think we're sent, you know, not to get super woo-woo, which sometimes I do, but I think we're sent a lot of tests along the way to see like how much we really want it. (laughs) And so I always try to remember that as well. And then turning around and offering your hand to somebody behind you um, as you have cleared the path to uplift others along the way. You are clearing the path not only for yourself, but also for others. And that is something that uh, I know with your work, you are doing just like all of these multifaceted things with the, the magazine and gallery and podcast and collective and everything you have going on, um, mm-hmm. you know, really shapes some space for others. And that's something that I so much appreciate about you, Victoria. Um, Thank you. Just just this practice of being a generous artist, which Sharon Loudon talks about frequently and thinking about how we can help each other. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I always say is like, I think sometimes there's this misconception that you have to be so far ahead of someone to help them. But actually, even if you're just a couple of steps ahead of someone, you can help them. And it, it is that idea of just like sharing as much as you can with where you're at and knowing that that is going to be incredibly helpful for whoever it is you're working with. So I wanted to ask you, because we're talking about goal setting, what you mentioned long walks on the beach, which is an amazing goal. That is also one of my goals. I would love to start the day that way every day. Um, What other big goals do you have like for yourself, for your art career? What are you manifesting at the moment? I think I'm going to keep some of those to myself still because this is um, (laughs) in the works. I'm a bit secretive about some of those types of things that you're asking about, but I appreciate I mean, dreamily, I um, am looking forward to having my solo museum exhibition, which is, I'm sure, inevitably coming my way. I'm just going to put that one out there. So that's yes. something that I would very much love to have. And I'm, I'm just kind of working on that as a dreamily goal situation. Um, but I would, it's one that I can share, but I would say, honestly, day-to-day living getting into habits where I'm taking excellent care of myself and Mm -hmm. just every, everything (laughs) related to that. So thinking about living just really great days uh, individually and and making myself feel good every day and in in this particular way that I I know to be contagious actually with other people. The better that you feel, uh, the better you can um, pass that along to others as well. And that's, there's something contagious about that. I don't, uh, haven't totally wrapped my brain around what exactly that is, but it is, you know, energy is contagious. And uh, so I work very hard to keep mine in a particular place. I love that. And I, it's actually so important to remember that our days, like how we shape our day, I don't, I'm probably going to slaughter this quote, but it's like, how you live your days is how you live your life. Something like that. (laughs) Um, Something like that. But it's so true. It's like thinking about every day. I always, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, I always try to get back to this one day at a time approach of like, okay, well, what can I do today that's going to fill me up? And sometimes I find that even if I'm like exhausted at the end of the day and I just want to like put on a TV show, and sometimes 
that is the, that is the solution. <laughs> that is the answer. But other times I'm like, okay, if I just take a little bit of energy and time to light a candle and journal or, and paint and just like stretch and do the things that I know are going to fill me up, it completely resets my energy. So I think it's like, I actually made a list in my journal the other day of like, um, I've done this many times, but they always kind of shift and change. Like easy strategies that I can draw upon on a day-to-day basis that will help to reset my energy and help me to feel good if I'm getting to that place where I'm just feeling a little bit like tightly wound. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think focusing on the day-to-day is everything. I actually think that that is the most important thing. I totally agree with you. And, you know, I think about it, there's several different books surrounding this variation on a theme, but making one decision or one big move per day, one project, whatever that kind of moving forward in the direction of your dreams move for the day, it only has to be one very intentional, very thoughtful, good one (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. item Mm -hmm. to cross off your to-do list for the day. And in order to make that executed with the best mm, level of success, building up and you're filling your cup with all of the daily habits that you're talking about um, to really have that be the most successful move. That's, oh, I love living with intention in that particular way. And sometimes that works out and just mag, like just magnificently how that is, um, you know, how, how well prepared you can be to make the move that needs to be made at that moment on that day on that, like, what is that one thing? Um, and that's different for, for everyone and, and every day. And so it's, it's very interesting. Absolutely. And I think it also is like, you know, thinking about habits and just how we're living our day-to-day lives. I think it also comes down to like being super honest with ourselves and just really objective. Like what is making me feel good? What is not making me feel good? And when you start to, I'm trying to practice this more now when something is not making me feel good. And honestly, sometimes that's just like too much screen time or whatever it might be. Like really making the decision to actively pull myself out of that situation for 15 minutes or however long I can take that break or whatever I need to do in that moment versus just sort of like skimming over it and saying, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Because I think that that is also like you're saying, that's part of living with intention. And it's like making the best decisions for ourselves in every moment. That's when you can help others also. Like that's when you can keep your foundation strong. So it's a practice though. Yeah. (laughs) It's a practice. It is a daily practice. That is for sure. Yeah. It is a daily practice and also practice of non-reactivity when things do not, when there's something unanticipated coming your way or that might Mm be jarring for you a little bit, staying centered kind of despite anything that comes your way and having that rock salad foundation of, mm-hmm. of knowing that, you know, and I think that's part of um, being a multifaceted artist, having your hand in several different pots like you do. I see that in you and I have to say I'm similar in that way of it. And mm-hmm. if something isn't going 120% fantastic, over here, then mm-hmm. it's you, you're you're not in, only invested in in one area of of yes. uh, what you're trying to accomplish. You have several different other things that are going super well, you know, and you can figure out and troubleshoot um, 
you know, in the meantime, but just having a greater scope of what it means to have an artistic practice and, and what that involves. And, um, yeah, not only your own painting career, um, uh, for me specifically or for you specifically, but all of the other things that you are accomplishing and, and working towards, um, in addition. Absolutely. It actually reminds me when you were talking, I had this vision of like, you know, when you're working on multiple paintings at once and that is really helpful because each one provides relief from the other. And I think it allows you to not get so tight and so zoomed in, so closely zoomed in on something. And I'm also like, maybe that is subconsciously why I love doing so many things because it's like, you can sort of I don't know, you focus on something and then you can sort of hop over to something else and it does feel more balanced. I think that if I'm just working on one project, I can become, I get so close to it that it's like, I can't see it clearly. I have to have, like having opportunities to step back and zoom out is really helpful. Yeah. I think that it's, I totally agree with you. It's a little bit, um, if you're only working on the one aspect of the one thing then it's easier to float into like your egoic self um there versus having mm-hmm. um a bigger broader perspective and being an observer of everything around you and and the many pots that you um have your um have, have going <laughs> yes yes okay i have a question for you and it's kind of a big question so answer how you would like <laughs> there are many ways, many ways to answer it, but like, what would you say is either the biggest lesson or one of the biggest lessons or just a lesson and, and a valuable lesson that you've learned since you started your career as a painter? Oh, easily. This is the Julia Cameron mantra, trust your perceptions, which I find encompasses several different parts of the creative life. And I have that posted in my studio. It's weird. It's a weird journey to trust your perceptions and and what that might lead to. And sometimes you're like, what? You got to be kidding me. Is this for real? (laughs) Like, just do it. Just go for it. You know, like, don't think too much. It's just more fun if you like her. Yeah. Okay. I love that so much. And also, I mean, it's so in line with like everything you've been speaking on and how you've just trusted your your perceptions and your intuition and, and really your inner guidance. And I think also it's, I try to remind myself sometimes I'm having this vision for a reason, you know, like I think it's Liz Gilbert who talks about how you know, your ideas find you, <laughs> they, they, they choose you. And I kind of love thinking of it that way versus like the other way around. But yeah, it's like, I'm having this vision for a reason. I'm having this desire for a reason. And I think that helps you to sort of, I don't know, just remember that like, if you're having the desire or the dream or the vision, then there must be a way you can achieve it because otherwise you wouldn't be having it. Yeah. So I love getting super woo woo with you. I feel like we can, yeah, we can we do can. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, when you see even through guided meditation, what the image that's there, well, in some way it's already in form because you're seeing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not everybody sees um, like, their visions in the same way and maybe having vision boards is helpful to get at and just have those 
pictures. I love vision boards. I mean, I have like so many of those, mm-hmm. but it's um, once you visualize it in image form, um, and you don't have to overthink all of the details and how am I going to get to wherever that is and what, you know, like what, uh, you don't have to overthink it. Just march there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Just go yes. And, 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 and be in with um, a sensitive place to um, surround yourself with the colors, textures, fragrances, and um, the different movements that might be happening uh, that you're envisioning. And it's, it's, it's something that's tangible in a different way. Not only, um, yeah, I guess having like a, a dream luxury home or something like this, but just the feeling mm-hmm. of being in a dream luxury home. <laughs> like, how mm-hmm. can you get that now? Yes. <laughs> aligning with the feeling. This is something I've been going so deep into lately. It's like aligning with the feeling, aligning with the energy. And also, I think you bring up such a good point when you say, don't get stuck on the how. It took me a really long time. In fact, I think I'm just coming out of this over the past year or two uh, to realize that you can so easily get stuck in the how, but that's not, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, yes, there's a practical side to everything, of course, but you've just got to trust the where it is that you want to go. And I love how you said, like, just march in that direction. Because I think that when you get stuck in the how, that is when you get stuck in the weeds. And I'm working with this really wonderful um, spiritual coach. And she she shared this example recently of how she, I'll just give a very quick summary, but I thought it perfectly illustrated this point where she was in line. She was on a really long line at a, I think it was like Black Friday. So she was trying to pay for something and it was really crowded. And she was saying how she knew that she wanted to skip the line, but she didn't know how. And she decided to not focus on how that was going to happen, but she just really got into the energy of like what that would feel like. And she calmed herself down because she was feeling anxious about, you know, being on this super long line. And then before you know it, within a few minutes, there's a little bit more to this story. I'm giving a quick and dirty summary, (laughs) but essentially within uh, a few minutes, she was called to like another checkout opened up and she was called, but uh, to check out sooner. But I think the point that she was making was she, she wasn't perseverating over how it was going to happen. She was just focusing on the energy of, you know, calling that in, in that moment. And I think that that is the most important thing. Whereas I used to, in these situations, really go into the strategizing of how, um, and I think my brain tends to be quite literal and logistical. So it was like a big mindset shift to let that go. And it's not to say that the how isn't important, but it's not something to like focus on so heavily, I suppose. When you carve out a how and say, uh, this is the only way that this will happen, it's actually limiting how, however your, yes. your desire can come to you, you know? Um, yes. And and it might leave you closed off to, to something completely out of the blue that, you know, you could have never predicted would actually happen. I've had that so many times where it's like, oh, this is a totally bizarre how this happened. This is weird. <laughs> you know, like, um, 
you just have to let it. Yeah, you're exactly right. I am totally. Um, I agree with what you're saying. Got to let go of the how. And I think that's part of the rejection letters, like a hundred rejection letters. Okay. It appealed to me because that's strategic planning. I have Mm -hmm. to apply this many times to even get close to that, which I've never actually gotten a hundred rejection letters as, as you start applying to things, you'll start getting accepted to things. And then you're like, Oh, I don't even (laughs) have (laughs) enough time to do this, but it is fun. And so Mm -hmm. you have that, it scratches that itch of, um, like, uh, checking things off the checklist, but it's open enough where, it's, it, it allows you a place of discovery uh, through this unknown. And a lot of the, the art career comfortability has to do directly with your comfortability with being in the unknown. It is not mm-hmm. a guarantee that you are going to be wildly anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> rich, famous, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but if any of these things are where you want to go, then you have to figure out how to yeah, carve your own art career and, and be um, fumbling around in the dark and be feeling good about that. So that is a, a, a weird resilient skill that I think creatives and artists are well adept at um, and something to be celebrated and shared for sure. I love that so much. And it was so, it was funny because when you were saying like the how can be quite limiting, I mean, you word for word said what my my spiritual coach just said to me and always reminds me. And it's true. It can be limiting. So it's like being open, knowing what you want, but being open to the many different ways that you could get there. And I also just love the idea of the 100 rejection letters because I think it removes the like, I mean, yes, when you get a rejection letter, it stings a lot of the time, but it kind of like turns it into something that feels lighter and it kind of takes out this heaviness and kind of turning it into like a fun game. (laughs) Like I kind of want to try it. I'm like feeling very inspired to try this. I recommend. I would highly recommend because (laughs) then it becomes clear to you that you're a winner either way. And you yes, have to feel like a yes. winner every day. You have to feel like a winner when like something in your life leaves you smack down on the pavement or whatever, <laughs> like that sort of emotional yes. low, but know that you're going to get the freak back up and you're going to figure it out. And what, you know, you have to build that resilience. It's a, it's a serious skill that can come in handy in many different ways and many different parts of life. But I think it can really start with, getting rejected and and practicing okay this might be a feeling that would normally dictate that my emotional state would go to this lower place but how am i going to play with that now i'm in control of this and i'm going to you know it's a it's a game in that way too to not let your circumstances dictate uh how you your internal state so a hundred percent different. It's a, that's a practice. <laughs> it is. It's a practice. And I also think like, I would argue that resiliency is like the most, or at least one of the most important skills that we can really hone and strengthen uh, because it applies to so many, like being resilient is something that we really need to navigate so many different parts of our lives, especially as artists and creatives. Um, as you're describing, I mean, you have such a great like 
mindset and outlook. Have you always been like this? Are you naturally like this or has it? Because I will say, sometimes people ask me this and I'm like, no, I think I've really had to work on this, but I feel like your energy is just so... I feel your positive energy on the other side of this screen, okay? Like I literally feel, I can feel it energetically and it's amazing. And would you say that that's just like naturally your temperament or like is it something you work on or both? Like just curious because you really do have amazing energy. Oh, thank you. And ditto. I mean, I, I we very much click and I'm sure that it's not just because we have Victoria in our name. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, yes, like, yes. like, V is for victory, honey. Like, oh, that's all I'm saying. So, you know, I don't, I'm sure that this is like developed. I'm very interested in self growth and being the best that I can be. And, and it's an area of research and interest. I am interested in the resiliency of artists. I guess I, I don't know if I mentioned, I don't think I did my um, interview project, Twirl a Decade of Artist Interviews. Uh, which is an annual interview project that is now we're going into our fifth season uh, where I do a series of interviews with a group of different artists and interview them every year about how their art practice is going and how they've overcome their challenges. And so as you're talking about resilience, uh, I'm right there with you in terms of figuring out how do we um, overcome our challenges together. I think it's interesting to study other artists and how they overcome uh, their challenging circumstances in the event that any one of us is going through, you know, something else, uh, <laughs> something that we can learn from, gee, I've never gone through that particular situation in my life, but I can see how this artist has. And that's really helpful to be able to understand uh, their tools to resiliency, which may look different than my current tools. And we can help each other survive in that way. And um, a little bit gets into documenting the artist's legacy too, which I, I think is so fascinating, not only how um, artists kind of maybe are only documented if they end up to be a certain shimmer of uh, success down the line, but really the, the journey and the process of, of getting there. And I'm, you know, the trajectory of becoming an, uh, an artist and having an art career is not <laughs> totally linear. It's more of this winding path. And so um, that's interesting uh, to study and, and be a part of with them as well. It's super cool because I remember you telling me about the interview series when we met and I was like, that's very cool. And I do think we can learn so much from other artists and how they've overcome obstacles. And it's really helpful. I think it's really, really helpful to hear their stories and just to understand like how they've sort of navigated their careers and challenges that, have, that just come with being an artist and just come with living life as a human do you have the interview series? In yeah, a it's at twirlproject.com, T-W-I-R-L okay. project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. And you're welcome to check it out. We will. We will. I'll put it in the show notes. And um, Ingrid, as we start to come to the end of this fabulous uh, conversation, um, where can our incredible listeners look at your beautiful work and, you know, website, Instagram. Can you tell us? Yes, I'm online. Um, my Instagram is Ingrid V. Wells, I-N-G-R-I-D. V is in Victoria, Wells, W-E-L-L-S. 
and uh, the same uh, for my website, ingridvwells.com. Uh, I also have work uh, in several different galleries that are up there as well. So that's where you can find me. Amazing. I'm going to include all of that information in the show notes. And for anyone listening, you have got to check out Ingrid's work. It is so beautiful and powerful and just celebratory and joyful and all of those warm, fuzzy feelings. You will get those when you look at uh, her amazing paintings. Ingrid, thank you so much for joining me today. And this was like a little spark of positive energy that I didn't even realize I needed. I'm so grateful for you taking the time to come onto the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria. I can't believe that. I mean, it seems like we have just been talking for two minutes. I'm so thrilled to, I, I could talk to you for days. It's been so fun. I know. Um, I know. And I love hearing all of your stories and everything too. So we'll have to connect again soon. I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and, and you're just a bright spot here in the art world. So thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much, Ingrid. We will definitely connect again soon. And to all of our wonderful listeners, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.